an apartment is not going to be where someone, they're not going to most likely live in your building forever. But while they're there, that's their home. So we really try to focus on building that community. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Rise and Invest podcast. I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. All right, welcome back to another podcast. Today's guest is Mary Jabala, Chief Revenue Officer at 33 Realty here in Chicago. She runs a property management portfolio of over 4,000 units in the staff of over 150 people. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode too. We're going to really do a deep dive into property management today. I know for most people that I talk to when they're starting out and investing in real estate, probably what they're most worried about maybe is not even like running the numbers or mm-hmm. buying it. It's what do I do after I close? Now I'm going to have all these people you right. know, bugging me. Right. I don't know how to do maintenance or what it is. So we're going to get into that today with someone with who's basically been doing this their entire life. Yep. I always say I was born into it. It's in my blood. So then how'd you end up, how'd you get started? So my dad was a real estate developer my entire life. Well, when I was younger, he was a Mason. So he was out early in the morning, doing bricklaying all day. And then he would come home and work on the buildings that he would buy and own and manage himself. So from a very young age, we would go, we would call it coming down east. So coming into the city and cleaning apartment buildings with my mom, like the hallways are more or less like messing around while she cleaned. But we saw like the hard work that went into it. So that was just kind of always instilled with us. And then probably in third or fourth grade, he kind of moved out of the masonry and then became just a full-time contractor. So he would do, it was kind of when the condo business was booming. So he built, I think he sold over a billion dollars in residential real estate from 2000 and I'm sorry, the nineties from like basically until 2008. Let me Um, jump in. So how did he make the transition from a mason then to, I mean, I actually had no idea it was that kind of volume to do a a billion dollars of development and sales. So how did, how did those, how do you make that jump or do you ever tell you? So he always knew he wanted more. So he, he immigrated from Ireland. So he's an Irish immigrant and he always, he would work, hard work was never something that he shied away from. So he knew like masonry was, it was fine. It was a trade. It was great. It kind of helped him get into it, but he always knew he wanted more. So he ended up partnering up with a real estate broker who sold him a building that he had purchased to, you know, build for himself and they kind of figured like okay you're great at the general contracting you're great at the at the brokerage and then they formed a partnership okay so they went like high volume and it was mostly three flats six flats to the point where they would buy almost an entire street of like 1300 west fletcher that entire block is pretty much all of his a lot in old town mohawk cleveland like if you look at those like three and six flats majority of them are things that he had purchased so wow. and built sorry that makes a lot of sense then because i was wondering how did you go from <clears throat> being a mason to then like underwriting deals or talking yeah. to lenders but then that's great i mean then i'm sure the broker partner did a lot of that and then he could focus on being the, the builder and the broker probably you know knew nothing about construction so good match for yeah everybody and same thing it was kind of like he 
it was he had process before like he actually but not like I would say like process that wasn't documented yeah. so it was kind of like the same thing over and over again and a lot of it was on paper and he would beat people up on prices and no. that was cool for me to see from yeah. like a very young age but a lot of work went into it obviously and then he had great people that he hired I think that isn't also an important thing like it wasn't just him they had a great CFO they had great con construction contractors and then they had a property management team for the long-term holds that they yeah. that they that they purchased and held on to so a good team I think is important for anybody but that for me was always like it was always fun I loved being around it anytime I could be on a job site I loved it I'd make up days like take your daughter to work day oh, okay, and like nice. so we probably had like three of those a, yeah. a year which is Makes most sense. likely once a year that right. was realistically what the schools wanted you to do I'm but like, uh, you probably learned more on those three days than any yeah day of school for sure and then it was Super important given what you end up doing. My so, mom would be crying in the background, like, don't climb up those ladders. Yeah. We loved it. So So when you explain how many years experience you have, do you start from when you were five cleaning no, hallways? Or no. do you go from I pretty like, much go from high school. So when I was in high school in my sophomore, no, I'm sorry, my junior and senior, some going into those two years. I came down to the city and I worked for him. So I did like admin work pretty much, yeah. but got to be around in the business around it i'd come down on sundays and do sit in open houses with some of the brokers so jim miller who's a broker for jameson now he worked for my dad and i'd come Great. down and sit and just chat with him and kind of watch him just to kind of get the feel for it and then really going into my freshman year in college I, from december in my senior year i worked the entire time and then i went to depaul so i stayed in the oh, city yeah. so i was able to work very closely with in in the business from that time on so pretty, pretty much from, I would say, high school on, I've, I've been doing real estate in some way or another. And then were all your jobs in high school, college, they were just working with your dad then? Or did you end up doing something else? Yeah, in high school, I had random jobs. That was one thing. Like, my parents never let us know kind of, like, that we had opportunity. Like, we were forced to work, whether it was babysitting or lifeguarding yeah. okay. or coming nice. down to the office and doing opening mail. like. It was, we had to kind of work and do something. So little things here and there, but pretty much real estate from, I would say, 18 on. Okay, nice. Great. And then, so how'd you, so then do you graduate from DePaul and how'd you get to? Throughout my time at DePaul, I went, I worked for my dad. I did a number of different things, like sometimes in the real estate business. And then I kind of focused on a lot of the, what we had, like insurance. So we had, as you can imagine, with like 20, 30 deals of construction and like yeah. all the certificates of insurance and then streamlining that process. I went from, we had, went from having like 50 different policies to coming up with a couple simple policies, like a general ledger, a property for all the deals that we owned and managed. And then the construction deals, like rolling things on, rolling them off, yeah. making sure all of our vendors were in compliance. So like, again, that's kind of where my yeah. process okay, side nice. started. I think that's, and that's carried on into my career now in management, it's, it's very process driven. Yeah. And then in 2008, when things, the, the world changed, well, our world changed, we started slowly rolling off of deals. And then we had a management company that was kind of like the sister company to my dad's company. And when we weren't building, he wanted to keep the, his main core people, myself, my sister, our accounting team employed. And he was basically like, okay, we're not building anymore. So you're just going to manage these properties. Yeah. And he fired that company and kind of just threw it at us. And we didn't really know what we were doing. We just kind of had to like nice. take off and do it. So 
that was a huge eye-opening experience, as you can imagine. And one thing that really stood out in that time was people, when they would reach out and be like, oh, this has been an issue for me for a couple of years. Like, no, I've had a leak and no one's, I never get callbacks. Right? It was just like very simple things. Right. And it was just kind of, you communicate with people and you take care of, you know, you communicate and you shoot people straight. Like, yes, we're going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. You said they it, were like not getting an answer. I just like that's very simple things. And like management is, you know, you know, it's customer service. So you have to respond to people. You, you be honest. And that to me, like made a huge difference as we were learning and how to do everything. And, you know, it was made it, it was kind of like my first experience in, in that business. Cause your dad had some long-term rentals as well. And then he eventually probably started renting out some of the condos he had built. Yeah, there was a few buildings that were being built in 2008 that, or 2007, 2008, 2009 that were supposed to be sold. And when they didn't, they just kept them as rental buildings. So some new construction and then some older courtyard style buildings, some three flats, six flats, things like that, that we were really focused on when we took over as the management side of things. Nice. And so then how did you end up getting involved with 33 Realty? So Drew was a friend of, Drew is the founder of 33. He was a friend of my husband. So I had met him. I've known, I knew him for a couple of years. In 2010, I had my bro, my leasing license for about a year at that point. And he was kind of constantly trying to get us to come over. So eventually we had a lunch. I was impressed with his, his system and his back end of his website and how they upload listings. It just was way easier than the manual stuff that we were doing. So I'm yeah. like, okay. This seems like a really good opportunity. And so I moved my license over to 33. And at the same time, Drew was at a point where he was looking for an office. And because our office was slowly emptying out at 2636 North yeah. Lincoln, he rented some space from us in the basement. And so then you guys were the you guys were both in there for a while. So okay. my dad's company and then 33. So it was just a lot, like, obviously we were working together on the leasing side of things, but then like just, you know, going out for drinks and talking. And then when my dad's business continued to slow down, it was like, okay, one of us is going to have to go. And my sister was still in the business as well. So she kind of stayed on with my dad for his deals and Drew was needed someone with management for him. And it was, I mean, I think we had a couple hundred units and he had just got a large bank portfolio. And so I was, that was in 2000, March, 2011 is when I technically signed on for property management with Drew. And what was their pitch at that point? So they had a good system for uploading listings, but they had a hundred units. So then it just started going that direction where you're in the same office and then he needs help. And then yep. It was actually, it was his wife was about to have their second child. So it was like, okay, Marta, because it was Marta and Drew running their she business. She was working, she was working yeah. there too. So they, she started it with Drew. And at that point, she, they just obviously, you, you know, she needed time off. And it was like right. they needed help because the, they were definitely picking up clients in, like in a fast pace. It was, we went in and I, like I started, it was technically 20 hours to begin with. And we were... He had just signed up for a property management software property boss. They did everything else on spreadsheets before oh, um, and QuickBooks for the accounting stuff. But so I came in and my first week was really getting all the properties that they had uploaded in this new software and learning it as we went. And so that was like our initial kickoff. And I think probably for two weeks, I was 20 hours and it quickly just kept climbing yeah. to nice. 40 hours in a full-time position. And so that's kind of really, I was like, when I say I was with 33 from the beginning, I 
I yeah. really was. Like we had no system in place. We were writing checks for vent to vendors who were helping us on a daily basis. Like it was just, we had like, I, slowly it was kind of like, okay, let's have a new process for this. Let's have a process for paying vendors on a, like a weekly base, how we handle work orders, closing out work orders, timeliness, and just like starting to implement that like timely process. Cause yeah. that's important for anyone who has properties. You'll really understand like you have to have a system in place. You can't like, if you're just winging things, you're going to miss something. So really building a foundation and a process that started early in my career with 33 and drew he's an engineer so that's like his mindset right. by by trade building processes and having great so then you were like the second or third employee then so it was martin drew and mary and then so i did a lot of it i was paying bills i was handling all the management, the renewals, the leasing. And then slowly as we continued to grow, actually Eric, that's when Eric, Eric came on board after me. We hired Stacy, who's our currency eventually. And she was doing a lot of the bookkeeping and things like that. She took that over from Marta. Marta was very involved in the marketing. So it was like a small team, but it was, it yeah. continued to grow as like volume and things picked up. But I think that's a great lesson where, so really like you sort of, you took a chance, you know, mm -hmm. on this new company and yeah. then it went. I mean, in large part because, it, you know, you and others, but it went, went really well. Yeah. Now you're running, you know, with Drew and Eric, like a huge, a huge company. I mean, 4,000 units, that's, that's a big portfolio. I'm sure when you guys were starting with, you know, loading things into property boss, that might, it's probably bigger, bigger than what you guys were even thinking you'd get it to. It's barely been 10 years. So. It grew pretty quick and it's been, it's been fun. It's been a hard, it's been hard work, but something like that we focus on and I think it's important is like our core values have never changed. And that's, that's important in any business is to really understand like what you stand for and, and you treat people well. They always have treated me really well. And that like the same thing for all of our employees. I think that's part of why we've been able to grow at the, at the speed that we have is because we have a team. Like it's not yeah. just us. It's, you know, it's the team around us and, you know, if you, you know, People want to be at their, you know, people want to be working with you and at 33, like they're going to, you know, they give their right, blood, those. sweat and tears, you know, it's, it, there's, it's, it's a thankless job, property management. So it's. Right. I know everyone expects it to be perfect. And a lot of the, the, even the owner clients, they don't, they don't know what's involved. Maybe even they haven't managed their own properties. Mm -hmm. So they don't even know what, what it's like. Mm -hmm. So they, they could think it's just, you know, easy to tell the tenant, no, we're not going to do it. Like it's no big deal. Right. So it's a um, little more uh, massaging than that. You have to, you just can't right. come out and say no to somebody. You have to, you know, it's the, that's the customer service side of it. Right. So then what do you think has made 33 so successful? So good at property management. I mean, one thing I heard was process mm -hmm. and they started getting into maybe want to touch on that more. So we're definitely a, like we are, we're definitely process driven. So we have a system kind of in place for pretty much everything that we do. We, a couple of years ago, implemented a, a task management software called Rike. And so pretty much everything from re the renewals to maintenance, closing out work orders, a timeline for everything, and then a process. And we have, our, our company is split up in different divisions. So we have portfolios and each portfolio manages a subset of properties. And the process for all the groups are the same. So when you send out renewals, when you reach out to tenants for collections of rent, when you, the maintenance, so like when you're going and doing routine maintenance and properties, like it's a very systemized, like 
it's it's organized and it's everyone kind of knows what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. So there's there's no surprises on that front. There's enough surprises in the maintenance. Right. What happens? But really- you have basically every task that a property manager person would do. It's it's documented and it's in it's in Reich at this point. Yes, and nice. so that's part of and you know as things change and as the laws kind of landlord laws change, you have to update those so that we have an entire team dedicated to updating our process all the time. And it's nice. as you can imagine, things change all the time. Even our property management software seems to just when we record a video, right. they seem to they throw out a, a new change. That, yeah. So it's definitely a full-time job, just updating and keeping up to that. But it's important because when you have a new employee start, you know, that's huge as far as training goes. And, you know, their first week is so important and it gets you off on the right foot pretty much with from the beginning with that as well. So in most of those training materials, then I, I'd imagine they started out where it's, it's written like, so it's in a Word doc or mm-hmm. Google doc or whatever it's called if and then with with pictures have you guys i heard you say video so you guys moved to shooting videos now or what are you doing so before right before the pandemic we were actually in the process of transitioning to outlook microsoft so there's a system in there called lms 365 and you can create training videos and then there's checks too so you can create a a video a process and then a test to make sure that people actually retain the information that they they were just going through. So we we do, we have all of that as for like management, I would say out of all of our business lines has the most process because it's the most seen, you know, it's the oldest company. We've, we started process manuals there pretty much from the beginning. How updated they were back then was another story, but it, you know, yeah. we've definitely gotten a lot better at keeping yeah, it. Well, as you grow, it's even more important if you have, you know, five people and you don't, right, training will fall by the wayside, but at a certain point you really, is you know, you really realize how important that is as you're adding people and to a lot of these, these roles, you know, the people are in them for sometimes only a year, you know, Mm -hmm. a property manager or something is a tough job. And then, you know, if you're just constantly needing to be training people and you guys have been growing so fast, or you just, there's always like someone you're hiring, I'm sure at this point. Right. And that's, that's important to kind of go back to the people too, because like you have to make sure that they know you know, what they're doing and they're given the foundation to like set them up for success. And there was a stage in our, in our company where we were growing really fast and then we stopped focusing on our people. So we were not working on, you know, the, the morale of the team. There was a few people who, you know, you know, the negativity breeds negativity. So that's another important thing to think think about as well is like you can't just focus on one area of your business. You have to think about everything as a whole. And when you like take your eye, you know, you put on your sale cap and you're growing really fast and you stop thinking about like the morale of your team and you know, how, how the team is growing, growing, like you're only as good as your people. So we had a, like a year where we had a ton of like a huge turnaround and that started to affect our clients and nice. so and that, then we we slowed down and stopped and like thought about okay what do we have to change and we focused again you're bringing it back to the basics focusing on our people making sure that we had invested in like the time where training was big the leadership side of things and now i would say our our culture is probably the best it's ever been we we were transparent with everyone what the issues were what we want to focus on and that's really, you know, that's really helped us as far as, you know, retention. Cause our, you know, as you know, as a landlord who has had hired management teams, like if you have a bad manager that like 
it, then you you have a bad management company. So again, that makes that's sense. funny you say that. That's what I tell people where they ask, "What do you, company do you like for this or whatever?" And that depends what market we're talking about. Or but you know, I've used I've used thirty three since twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. and they one thing I tell everyone, even if it's for thirty three or another company, if we are talking about Phoenix or another market we're in, like it really comes down to who your property manager is. Mm-hmm. So try to. And it's funny when Eric was on to talk about construction, his advice with the contractor is make sure you see who the project manager is. Go meet with that person. The owner, they're probably already great. You got a referral or they're, they've convinced you to You wouldn't forward. be meeting with them yeah. if they were in great, right? So that's interesting you say that because that's what I tell people where the company is, you know, whatever, whether it's 33 or another, it's the, the, the company could be good or bad and it really comes down to the person. So you really want to, you know, try to meet who would be managing it. It's interesting you say that. Yeah. As the owner, that's what I tell people too, where, yeah. you know, you can make a referral to a company, but you got to really know you got a good property manager or some of these deals where you have people work on site. You can make a huge difference if you're willing to pay a little more at your property where you really get a huge return on that. And, you know, not, not everyone does that. Yep. So I think that's, that's important, right? And it's, it makes a huge difference because you can have I mean, the owner of the company is not dealing with your tenants and they're not necessarily dealing with the client on a day-to-day basis either. So if a property manager, you know, is doesn't have the right attitude or their heart's not into it even, or they're just, you know, they're, they're a bad communicator, it makes a huge difference. And that's why like the investment in the employees and the training and just not doing it once, like constantly working with them. That makes, I mean, that will save, it'll make or break a, you know, a management company, honestly. And so that was something that we definitely had to reinvest in and like shift our entire focus to get it back to where it was pretty much from the beginning. And I think we're going to get into property management. We're talking more about running a company now, but one thing that I'd be real curious to hear about, it's not property management related, but firing people mm-hmm. what because i'm sure with that especially that year you're talking about that's what i was thinking where so like i i haven't fired anybody mm-hmm. so like i know that that would be hard so what what if what advice would you have around firing people if if any if not let's... i would say like rip off the band-aid is kind of a good that's kind of what comes to mind like if you if you you usually can tell pretty quickly if something's going to work out or if someone is going to work out or not or if someone if there's a drastic change in personality, that is not personality, I would even say, but just like work ethic and issues that start to come up, don't ignore that. And I would say that that's important, like super important, if not the most important. So And why, and why not ignore it? Because it's like once there's like a few things that you start to like, you know, if your antenna goes up about something, there's usually a lot more happening than what you know about. Because like I had mentioned, like you're not doing, you're not in their day to day. You're not watching their emails come in. You're not on every single phone call with a a tenant or an owner. So it's important to like really dig into things from the beginning. And when you know something is not, you know, if you know an employee is just not right for your, your company and your brand, it's, you you need to make a change. So right, I would say start, don't shy away from it. Right. It could start, you know, this is probably a wrong word, but like almost infecting others with, on the team where they see this person's doing, you yep. know, if you notice it, that's just like probably the tip of the iceberg, you yeah. know, what they're really doing. So that, that's what I, I figured you'd say in terms of like, like why to do it. Cause yep. I've heard that too, but that's, uh, it's, yeah. you know, easier said than done. And going back to that, like 2018, I think that was probably, I think that was the year where we talked about, like we had a huge turnaround. There was definitely a few employees that were 
we, we it was like a cancer in our company. It was just like this negative uh, like attitude. And then they would talk to somebody else and things just really snowballed to and where we, we kind of came back, figured out what was going on. And again, like you have to focus on it. You can never like take like you always have to have a pulse on right. what's happening in your business. And and that's the thing. You just make a change and it's and then you tell people what's going on, like the reason why certain things are going on. Like if you fire if you're someone who a lot of people really like, but they just weren't good for your business, you tell people in your organization, that's and that fine. goes a, that goes a long way. And, and then I think the last thing that I you had mentioned to me, or just I've heard a lot, being a 33 client, is think like an owner. Yes. Let's hear about that. So we always say think like an owner, uh, and that's part of our training too. Like you have to think like the owner, so you can make. Even if you're sending a maintenance technician out for, you know, to repair a, a light bulb, it's like, okay, it might not seem like a big deal. You're making the tenant happy, but would you want to pay for a maintenance guy to go do something that a tenant should be right. responsible for? So put on that owner cap when you are, you know, working with maintenance, renewals, constantly think like, if this was my property, would I do this? If this was my right. money on the line, would I send somebody out to, you know, and charge a hundred dollars would i want that yes or no right. and like if you think like that you it really like it helps you make good choices and it gives you that other sense of you know it's just a different perspective i would say right and something we've done recently is we've actually gone through an entire process of we call it our own it own it university and we've gone through like the different stages of a real estate deal and taught our employees how to find a deal, nice. underwrite it, get the loan, purchase, if we are doing construction, how to manage, how to lease. And that's also to like help give people that infrastructure on like how to, how to manage a property, how to own a property, kind of giving all the trade secrets oh, like to our employees. So eventually they're either buying their own deals or buying deals with us. Right. And that's, that's another thing like people have said to us, like, why would you do that? Like, why would you tell people how to, you well, know? Well, then they know what the clients are thinking. Exactly. You know, when I start making all these crazy request because I need to do a refinance or something. They understand what's going on, you know, exactly. so we got or the, that light bulb. That's a good example because that's something where, you know, you could, there's a lot of ways to do it where if you have other work orders, you could put it on that other work order and just try to do it with something else. Mm -hmm. and, but yeah, if you really have your owner cap on, you can't afford to send somebody out to right. change light bulbs. You would end up making no money. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's a good example. Download our hundred plus page passive investing guidebook today. Accredited investors can sign up for our multifamily investment opportunities as well by hitting the invest now button on our website. Now back to the show. And some owners, like that's a good example too, is why some people would not hire a management company, right? Cause you're like, oh, I can do this stuff my, myself. But then it's like, you're also taking those calls in the middle right. of the night. And when it's zero degrees and pipes are freezing all over the city and you need a plumber, you might not have the Rolodex right. that a management right. company has. So like, that's another thing to, you know, that's always like, oh, you know, me and having a management company, you know, most of the time will, you know, there's a fee involved. So it could be more expensive if you're self-managing, but there's a lot of headache and that you don't have when you have a, a management company. And then there's just a lot of, you know, I would say not savings as far as, you know, your, that your, your, Vendor pool is larger, right. you're leasing agents, you have more, you know, you're not doing it yourself and there's just a lot less headache than when you're doing things. Right. Maybe you house. weren't, you know, you weren't paying money for those, some of those tasks before, like a, a, the management or accounting, but that was, you know, that was you spending your time on it. 
you know, so then that's, that should be worth something. So let's, well, let's start getting into then advice for, let's say someone who's going to self-manage their own property. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're, they're, what would be one or two tips is off the top. Like that would be things that come to mind. So a couple things. So you're spend time with your tenants. Cause obviously like if you're an self managing your properties, uh, everyone like turnover is one, your, one of your number one costs. Cause you have your leasing fees and then you have the actual turnover cost that, to, you know, turn in, turn an apartment and then possibly vacancy. Right. So if you're even self-managing your property, make sure you're investing in your tenants. So keep the properties looking nice, keep them looking clean. If they, you know, be timely in your responses, that's obviously super important. And then really cut, like get a pool of vendors who you trust and you know that they're not going to take advantage of you. That's we've had, I think everyone has had horror stories with certain vendors. So really finding vendors or, you know, make relationships with different people in the industry who you can, you can lean on that will give you good advice. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. I would always say that's something that, you know, especially if I'm interviewing somebody or not interviewing somebody, someone's interviewing me, I guess, for business and they don't go with us with whatever ways, like keep that relationship. I always say like, hey, if you decide to go elsewhere or, you know, self-manage, just you can always call me if you have questions. And that that goes a long way to like build your relationships because right. you'll need you'll you'll need help some at some point. Right. So whether you're not hiring me now, you might ask us to, you know, refer a plumber to you. So I would say that's important for people self-managing as well and and then well leasing is, you know, the next part of it is making sure you have a pulse on what's going on not only legally like legally with tenant landlord ordinances which are changing all the time, but what rental rates are. I think that's you, you know, you might be under marketing a property where you're leaving money on the table. So keeping a pulse on what's going on in the market, that's, I would say that's super important. Right. I would say my, my number one is maybe it's not a tip, a thing to that, like a new owner should know there is actually a lot less because the, the main worry is like getting these calls in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. There is, there's actually a lot less of that than you think. Most things, even if you got a call, it doesn't need to be done in the middle of the night. Really, the things that's like a water leak, if your heat's out, or, fire, yeah. yeah, right. So then that and that stuff is all very rare. So then a lot of the things when people talk about will be fixing toilets in the middle of the night. Once you do this for even like a little bit, you realize, well, you don't fix toilets at night. You tell them we'll send someone in the morning, and right. then you just send somebody. Yep. So it's not. So that would be my my tip. Where I've had plenty of you know owning thirty plus buildings, plenty of like true emergencies where we've had buildings looted, fires, just all sorts of stuff, but where that is really rare. And I even, I managed a student rental property for 10 years myself mm-hmm. and they, there were very few like true emergencies of where even just as the person getting all the calls, thinking about yep. it, where we did, we did have a fire and then we've had a couple leaks, a pipe freeze, but this is like in Wisconsin and like a property where people were really hard on it, where, you know, sinks break off the wall and, you know, just where they don't, and they, they don't know how that happened. You know, which, <laughs> you know, it's funny where, you know, like, I don't know how it happened, but they, the lawyer, you just get a lot of that or you like the blinds at that property. They're literally all broken every year. So that like at that property, cause I was still getting going. I'm in my mind, like I, like I switched the blinds out with, I get my, my dad up there too, where he, mm-hmm. he taught uh, automotives and woodworking at high school. So he's mm-hmm. really 
handy. handy. So I would hire painters for the turnover and cleaners, and then mm -hmm. me and him would do all the fix up. So yeah. I would be doing blinds, and he'd be doing all the, the anything that's real difficult to fix. So, yeah. but nice. So that would be sort of a, a tip I have where because people, and then around those nighttime emergencies, to your point on process, you can develop a process around it where, so we're in the Midwest, pipes can freeze when it gets real cold. A lot of, some tenants, they just haven't figured out like how life works yet, where they'll yeah. leave for a Christmas break or whatever you want to call it, turn and they'll just turn off. the heat off. Mm -hmm. I don't need it. Yeah. And so you need to then send an email, you know, or actually more than one. And then yeah. about, we need to, you need to leave the heat on with that college property. I tell them I'm going to go check. Like I would do these like fake outs, like before Halloween and Christmas. Like I'd tell them I'm going to go before right. Halloween and make sure you guys don't have like a big party coming. And then I would never go because I lived here and it's, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm not going to burn up, you know, five hours going there and back and yeah. looking, but I would, they didn't know that because it's a student property. They're just, everyone's there for like a year. So technology um, is definitely your friend when it comes to that kind of stuff, yeah. sending out notices and things like that. So that, that I would say that will help because as you things come up, then you remember, okay, right? That person went home for Christmas. They turned their heat off next year. I'm going to send an email about leave your heat on. And if it's easy for you, you should, you should actually, you can go check. That's fine. It was too far away for me to do that. And then you start, I mean, there's other ways to mitigate that too. If you want to, if you are having pipes freeze, just trickle water or leave yep. your cabinets open. Leave your cabinets so you start open. picking this stuff over time. So it's not, so that would be my, like a big realization that I had where it's yeah. not as daunting as you think. And because even I started out when I was 19 managing properties as the owner and every tenant I had was older than me for quite a while. Although it was funny at the end of owning that uh, Madison property. Then when I showed up, they thought I was the landlord. Like that's how long I owned that where then I was now old enough where they, oh, the landlord's here because uh, now I'm a whole, you know, 30 years old now, I'm like super old. <laughs> right. Know, at the time. But you, so, th that's the thing. Like you learn as you go. Like the first year that we had frozen pipes, it was like, okay, well, this is not going to happen again. Like right. now we know what to do. And you learn like this, you just, you pick up processes and like you're changing them as you're going. And that's, right. that's important. Like whether it's a company or an individual, you, you will, you learn what to do and not to do right. as you, as you go forward. And I would say for, so thoughts around maintenance, like one thing that I realized where so in the light bulb thing was a good example where you really want to group tasks together. Mm -hmm. Like, so if someone needs a light bulb changed, most times, I mean, really like in the lease or somewhere, it says you're not, you don't need to do it as the landlord. Some places though, the ceilings are high. People don't own ladders as tenants often. So like what, what I've learned is in you guys obviously are really good at this and no way better than me, but you want to group tasks together. What other, what other maintenance? I would say have? another thing, like if you have multiple properties, that's another important thing to think about too, is like, okay, I'm not going to go from Wicker Park to Rogers Park. I'm going to take everything I possibly can nearby. Right. And that's something like with having, you know, 4,000 units spread throughout the Chicagoland area, we do have technicians who focus in certain areas and that would be something to save money on. And so was, then it's like a mom and pop owner, you're managing it. So then, and if you don't know where Wicker Park and Rogers Park are, it's just like a half hour away from each other. So the point right. is don't try to not have a maintenance person be running around town where you're paying them during that. Try to, you know, group it together at a property or close by properties. Right. Right. And then some things like to, you know, you don't have to run out and take care of something because it came in, you know, Monday morning at 9am. If it's a not something that's not an emergency and you know that you have someone planned to go, you know, in a couple of days to another property nearby, you can, you just, you communicate that. Like you right. can try to group things together and say, Hey, I'm going to be out at your property 
you know, on Wednesday at 3 p.m., we, you know, is this, you know, is this a good time frame for you? Yeah. This is when I'm available. You don't have to make yourself available 24 hours a day for people. You just have to communicate to when you're going to be around. That's a really good answer and realization because that's what I've noticed where people are, tenants oftentimes freaking out. And, but mm -hmm. then you just tell them any plan and then they're fine. Just communicate. Right. Where that, so that's where, because that's what, again, people starting out are worried about. I'm going to have this guy screaming at me that his toilet's broken or whatever. But once you tell him we'll send someone in the morning, he's fine and we'll, you know, figure yeah. out what to do. But if they don't get a call, that's when right. they will freak out. Right. right. Yeah. Or if like if you own a three flat and you clean your building, you know, on Thursdays and someone calls about something that's not really an emergency, it can probably wait till Thursday. Right. So you just communicate that I'll be out on Thursday. And it just, it just, it's, it's literally ma managing expectations and then people are happy. That's all. If you ignore them and just say, you know, oh, I'll just, I'll deal with it when I'm there. Yeah. They're going to be upset and, you know, likely look for somebody else at the end of their lease right. to manage, you know, so it's. And then around maintenance, what would you say is the, let's say most important sort of maintenance related like task or service? I can just tell you what I'm thinking if this question makes no sense. So just let me know. But okay. for, in terms of having an impact on the building, what would you say? Uh, give me some, what do you Okay. What I was getting at is in my opinion for what the different things as an owner you'd spend money on, what I think actually makes the biggest difference is keeping the building clean. That's what I was going at where I used okay. to, with that student rental, I used to run it where for a while I had no hallway cleaner even, mm -hmm. and people were punching holes in the wall and really just abusing it. And then I read a Malcolm Gladwell book. I'm blanking on the name because I got to figure it out on the fly, but there was, I think it was blank. It was the name of the book, but. It, they talked about the broken windows theory that New York employed to really clean up the city where mm -hmm. they got all the graffiti off the subway cars and started enforcing the laws. Like you can't just jump over the turnstile anymore and go on the subway. There's a cop standing there. Right. So I heard that as I'm listening to the book and I'm like, I need to do that. <laughs> My buildings, this place is getting holes punched in the wall. And so I repainted it. And from then on, I just kept it up where it was like immaculate. And then that kind of carried through to the whole building. That's so a that, good point. Because if you think about it from the very first time when someone's coming in to rent and look at your, they see your hallways filthy. They also wonder, okay, what else is not yeah. being taken care of? So preventative maintenance, that's something we haven't touched on yet, but that's important. Like you should be spending a little money on making sure that things are being maintained so it doesn't become a much bigger problem. And that's, you know, whether it's cleaning your hallways, changing filters, like, going in and yeah. actually seeing apartments, um, cleaning HVAC systems, plumbing, looking at your boilers, like making sure that something is being monitored instead of, oh my gosh, now we have a big problem and now we're spending a couple thousand dollars where if this was taken care of six months ago, you know, it would have been a couple hundred. So right. not, you know, ignoring issues. That's, that's super important for, to think about from a maintenance standpoint. Like, yeah, and you do a, I know that. you do a really good job at that. Just having eyes on the building and, you know, managing, you know, seeing things. So you can't like ignore it as well. Like you have to visit your properties and see what they, you know, the state that they're in and making right. sure that someone is servicing them on a regular basis. I mean, these, all these things need maintenance and then, right. Some of these things, they don't just run forever if you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's important too, because I know a lot of just, you know, individual owners who we might lease for or like when we take things over and they've just let things go. And it's important to know like this will cost you more money now. Yeah. It did not have to cost, you know, it didn't have to be this big of a problem. So, you know, as a, someone starting off, like really don't be afraid to, you know, 
put a little money in here and there and keep, you know, keep things fresh and clean right. and, you know, m- pay attention to them, pay attention to, you know, the, oper- the mechanics of right. your building. I should yeah, say. Yeah. And try to, you know, and if you're not familiar with that stuff, you know, you can ask all the different people that work on that item. Like if you're mm-hmm. wondering what to do with your furnace or air conditioner, you can call a company that works on those and ask them what do they recommend for preventative maintenance, but don't just call one, like call many and see mm-hmm. what they're all saying. And then just use your judgment, yeah. you know, where if you call a dryer vent company, they'll say you need to clean it every year, maybe even twice a year is what they'll say. But most owners never clean them. Mm-hmm. So then as a, me as an owner, I'm thinking, well, probably should be somewhere in between where you don't need to clean it twice a year, but you should clean it once every maybe maybe so once in a while year. at least not yeah. not own the building for 20 years and never do never it never do it right. yeah, and so then so right. even on that so then what i have been doing and uh, where we buy a building and then we clean the dryer vents mm-hmm. and then maybe we've cleaned them again but usually probably not you know where yeah. now we know they're they're at least cleaned once and then you know you, t- you talk to the vendor how were they you know so we bought a building that was 20 years old and for sure they never cleaned the vents and we were hearing stories, you know, what it was like. So then like right. that, but everything was still working 20 years in. And so, you know, I think we'll be good on that, that one for a while. For, for a little while. Again. So just kind of asking around and just sort of using your judgment. I mean, most people aren't going to be experienced with maintenance, but they don't need to be. You just need to talk to different people and think about it. And there's, and there's definitely resources. Even if you're buying your first building, you most likely are walking through the building with an inspector. And they will tell you every little thing that right. needs to be done. And that's that's a good starting point, too, because it's a good point. Okay, I think this is probably necessary. This might not be so necessary to do all the time. And then there's checklists on the Internet that you can find, like maintaining property. So you kind of start doing that and you just come up with a routine on what, you know, what you think you really need to do and the frequency. And like you had mentioned, like you call around to different vendors, like, even for servicing your HVAC system and your, you know, your AC units and then your, your heat, your furnaces before you turn them on for the winter. Like that's typically something I recommend to everyone, like service your mechanicals that are, you know, you're using all the time and that they're caught, they're expensive. So service those things. And it's not that much, honestly, you can probably go to like ABC, ABC, HVC or whatever the, you know, you see them on like TV yeah, on like, AAA yeah, yeah. And like you, you can pages. come up with a service plan with them and they, you know, they're not as the, the cost is, is minimal. Right. And it's, that's super critical. I mean, depending on where you live, if you need the air conditioning desperately in the summer mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, heat here where it's real important. Cause also too, you're, you're spending money on the front end, but then to clean one furnace, maybe it's 75 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, but if you have a, emergency service call and you're using a real company you're in the two three hundreds before anything right. happens so right. like it's if if that happens even once every couple of years you're kind of paying the same thing but your things actually clean and working right right so versus just putting out problems yeah what would what would you what would you say about leasing so someone they bought a property they've never done any leasing before what should they know so honestly if you're if you're trying to do it yourself i would say like with technology it makes it a lot easier because everyone is pretty much going to the same listing site. So people are going to Zillow, apartments.com, and as anybody can post on them, you don't need to be a broker to post on them. So you can go through different listings if you want to figure out what your pricing is. You can usually find comparable properties and figure out what they have rented for. If you're pricing on your own, you can even ask different brokers and they'll, they typically will help you because they want to get your business. And then you can, you can post on your, like signs are great. 
I would say that would not be the only thing I would do if I was in, an, if I was managing and leasing my own property. I would definitely go on to the multiple listing sites like Zillow and apartments.com. Truly, like they, they do spread out through all the, there's, I mean, 30, 40 different right. listing sites, but I would say like go out to some of the, go out to some of those listing sites and then they syndicate to everything else. And then people will start calling you that way. And again, same thing pick up the phone, respond to people, the communication side of that. I think that's, yeah. I think that's important. And, you know, I've learned as well, it's important to go with your gut. Like if someone seems too good to be true, or you think maybe, you know, something looks fishy, like pay attention to if they, you know, they give you like a snippet of, you know, a deposit instead of an actual pay stub, like okay. pay attention right. to that screen people look at their background because that will just like that could destroy an owner if they only own three units and one of them the tenant's not paying for three months right. and you're paying for legal like that's important too like really qualifying your your resident it's important and being consistent because le you know if you you can't sway from when you're looking at candidates like you can't discriminate in any way so making sure that you stick to a set of guidelines like what a credit score, your minimum credit score you're going to accept or not accept, if they, what they have on, you know, if they're, you know, criminal background, like anything like that, you want to make sure that you are consistent and not using any sort of like, you know, right. judgment there. It's just right. kind of like black and white, yes or no. So ahead of time with screening or, or over time, I guess you could develop it, but you really need it pretty early to know what are you going to take, what are you not? Because yeah. then, then that just you don't have to make any sort of judgment calls really. Mm -hmm. And then, because for those of you that don't know on the leasing side, a website, so Zillow, they, you can list an apartment on Zillow like as an individual owner for, for free still. I think it's still for free for individual owners. For larger companies, I know it's not. But yeah. I think as like, if, let's say you own a duplex, I, I, it, I guess it actually depends on the market. That's the answer. Cause that, but for really, che really cheap compared to what, for what you're getting, you, you can list it on Zillow and then it distributes that exact ad to 30 or so different yeah. sites, which is what you were talking about. Yep. But so you only need to put it on Zillow and then it distributes. Yes. One tip I would have on that is you actually need to check that it went, went on those sites and that it made sense where like the property went on the map. Cause so my favorite site to look at apartments personally is Hotpads, mm -hmm. which is one of the sites Zillow distributes to hotpads.com. I, I think Zillow might own Hotpads. I think yeah. most of these sites they do own. Yeah. It is, but I just, I really like the map on Hotpads. I don't, Zillow, they have almost, they have more information than I yeah. need where Hotpads, they just have these little house emojis or whatever that's clear what's going on. But it's, it happens where your property will, something with the address or whatever, where it'll go in a weird place on Hotpads. And then like, I want to, well, you want to go, you can then go to the hot pads ad and fix it, right. type in the address again. But that would be, that's a great, great tip. Cause I think in the old days you would just put out a sign or mm -hmm. run an ad in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Or I, you know, I remember when basically when like Craigslist sort of came out, like, okay, here's the new place you can post. Right. But in most cities, Craigslist is Craigslist, so crowded. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth the time to put on there. Mm -hmm. It's still okay for renting parking in some places, but that's about it in any big city. There's so many listings on there that are in, in not, even, not even being put up by the owner or the actual leasing agent or manager company, just by people trying to get leasing clients, you know, right. brokers or whatever. 
So I would, my tip would be get it on Zillow, make sure it distributes nicely. And then that, mm -hmm. that's all you need. I think that Zillow is definitely a good one. Got a part, like Craigslist used to be like the number one yeah. place to go to look for apartments. Yeah, I had all my listings, the ad scripts, I would save them in a Word doc. I'd have Same. like three different ads mm -hmm. and then I just, you know, just copy and paste and yeah. then you're done. So that was try to streamline it. And then two, another thought on leasing I have. So when you're doing showings, you want to schedule them back to back. Meaning, let's say you're going to do three showings and let's say you work at nine to five and you're going to show it after work. Mm -hmm. Then just tell people like, are you available at 530? Don't ask them when they want to do it because yeah. one person might say, I want to do it at 9 a.m. Next one wants to do it at 2 p.m. Next person, 8 p.m. And you didn't, you're running all around where odds, usually people are pretty flexible, especially if you give them the time first. Like, right. I'm going to, and then once you have one set up, you just tell them, I'm showing it at 530. Can you come at 5.45 or 6? Yeah, how big usually the about 15 minutes is. is enough for most right. smaller complexes. People always, you know, not everyone's on time too. So mm -hmm. I still been, I think I, when I was showing units, I was going with a half hour because it was like, the, never fails. And these are, yeah. you know, in places where traffic's a factor too. So parking. But, so that would be another tip too, if you've never, I mean, that's good for kind of everything. If you got to make a lot of phone calls or meetings for everything, but especially for showings, because you have to go to the property. Right. And you're waiting. Especially if like this is your, you're not your, this is a side gig and you have, you know, a, a nine to five that's important because you want to make sure obviously your, your time is your mon is money. Right. So booking appointments back to back. And then we always like to say it gives people, it's yeah, like, okay, urgency. there's more people coming in. There's urgency. Yeah. You're like, I've had four showings today. If you want it, you should, you know, you should sign right away. Right. And that kind of like pushes them a little bit. So they don't lose out because everyone has lost out on that apartment before that they wanted yeah. and they don't want it to happen to them again. So a broker did that to me this week. Really? I was looking at a deal in Phoenix and he, they're all back to back. Mm -hmm. He finally goes able to show the units and he, the next group showed up and I was, you know, saying bye, like they're here, like I'll get going. And he just goes, that's a real hot listing. I mean, that's how we had to schedule it. And I, I just said back to him, like, that's some good brokering. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. Where, I, I mean, we doing. know each other decently now so it's okay to joke but like that you know they that's a even people who are selling you know 20 million dollar buildings are doing what you're saying yep. where they yeah. you know let's just stack everyone a half hour apart and they'll you know some competition even if you have you know three showings and it seems like you're real busy mm -hmm. so nice then what about i think we talked about communication but mm -hmm. not is there anything else on tenant relations or communication that would Come to mind. I would say with well, it depends on like even like the type of property that you're you're managing. So there, it's real estate's obviously it's it's competitive. There's a lot of buildings and opportunity for people to go you know down the block or to the next. If you're looking at like a hundred unit building, there's so many different yep. uh, like options that they could go to. So we really focus on tenant retention, and we work on we really focus on like building the community. So. You know, it's an apartment is not going to be where someone, they're not going to most likely live in your building forever, but while they're there, that's their home. Right. So we really try to focus on building that community and it's little touches. Like when they move in, we might give them a welcome bag. And nice. then in our larger buildings, we put on events for the residents and they meet their neighbors and they build friendships or we might, we've had like a building that was near the 606, which is the run, it's a walking running trail and we've, we've had a running group and like people literally formed relationships where they would go out on runs by themselves like and they they form friendships and just keeps people you know active in the community have like they get to know the manager people 
you, you learn people by their face and their name and their dog's name, and it just helps really build that sense of community. So really, I think that's important is to focus on, on your resident. And, you know, some people don't want you to talk to them. They want to only be tech. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. <laughs> they don't want you to come to their apartment. Yeah. They don't, they like text messages, text that person, you know what they like. That's how you should form that, you know, build Great. that relationship with them is texting them. We have a building, a lady who has lived in a building for quite some time and she just loves to talk to the property manager on the phone. Uh, on the phone. Nice. She'll call her usually at Friday at like 4.50 and the property manager will just talk. Yeah, we just, she's formed this relationship and she knows the woman doesn't have any problems. She just wants to talk to her. And the woman has renewed for five years with us because okay, she nice. has, and like now the property manager is actually on maternity leave oh. and she'll call the office asking about her. I'm so happy for oh, her. Wow. How is she doing? And it's just that, you know, that relationship that they yeah, that's form, that it's, it's cute, but yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's important. It's it. So you build relationships with people because this is, this is their home and that's important. Like you, you want to make sure you're respecting them, whether it's your building or not. Like people don't want someone walking into their unit, let's say unannounced. Right. So it's just like, you have to respect people's boundaries and that's that's important you know some landlords get offended by that because they're like i own this building oh, I, yeah. I, you know but it's like no uh, like, yeah this is their really, home right so and you have no rights to be in there once you sign yeah. at least more than you do actually right. right right did you this is a bit of a sidebar but did you have any or maybe you did didn't hear about it, any tenants that during covid like they met each other and then they started a relationship like a like like a couple I have not. I saw an article. I I forgot what it was in, but it was about one of the high rises that Fifield built okay. in the West Loop, and they had an article where they had more than one, say, couple form during COVID in the building because nice. you're not leaving. So yeah. it was like it was a little bit of like a marketing piece. That was like they were out by the pool or what, right. like you know they were using the, the they were using the great amenity space, you know. Yeah. But it was. It was a real story though that it happened. So then that, you know, that that is total sidebar, but that's, I was, couldn't help but I was thinking that while you're describing that, yeah. or even the, cause that, I mean, for a year, you know, a year or whatever, no one's doing anything. Right. So no, that's, that's, I, I believe that, especially like as, like in Chicago, obviously they were stuck in their apartments, but right. like, and we had to close down a lot of our amenities. But, you know, when we th opened up, like, especially the rooftop terraces, those were people where, like really sit down and gather because obviously outside was like one of the only right, safest yeah. place, like yeah. a safe place that we could yeah. go. So we did have a lot of people who would just, you're, you're not seeing a lot of people outside of your, your complex. So that was, we definitely saw a lot of relationships forming that way. I have not the actually like yeah. relationships, like romantically. Right. I, I did. We, I, from what I, I know, I don't think. I don't know why that. they would tell you, but somehow they yeah. knew. And, and that's a very large building. It might be like 400 units. A cool um, story. So then. What about any thoughts on the mindset that would be helpful to have as a property manager? The mindset. Uh, I think we, we hit on it a little bit, but just thinking like an owner is a big one that we care, we, we use and we think we carry on every single day. And then you can't sweat the small stuff. That's really important because, you know, there's, it's, you know, property management is, you know, it's not that as, it's not a super glamorous job. Like there's things that come up every day. Some of it can be repetitive, like paying your bills right. and sending out notices and things like that, trash. picking yeah. up trash. But like a lot of times, the only time you hear from residents is if they have a problem. Right. And sometimes people go from zero to 60. So you can't let someone calling and yelling at you affect you and take that home with you. 
it's, you know, you have to leave it at the door and that's like, you can't take that kind of stuff personal. I always tell that to people because it can be, sometimes you'll have people who might, you know, if their refrigerator breaks, it's your fault yeah. that it broke the oh, day yeah. they went out and spent $300 on groceries. And that's always the same story. Right. So it's like, it's really important <clears throat> to keep that in mind. Like people are venting and some people want to take it out on you and you just can't let that kind of stuff affect you. So really like being able to separate uh, like what is really at pointed at you versus just somebody who is upset. I think that's right. important. And then I would say we find people who are in property management, like you have to be hungry. Like you have to really, you really have to enjoy what you're doing. Cause right. you know, it's, you have to, there's, you know, you have to enjoy one, I think real estate and customer service but you, 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 it's a, you're constantly learning and evolving. So like you have to bond and make change with the times because, you know, things are constantly changing and you can't just be complacent. So like we've really learned over the last couple of years, technology where like when I started, I mean, we had a property management software, but like we were still sending written notices and emails, but it wasn't where you could just text right. people from your computer all day long. Like it was, it's really changed or we used to have, I would say, 75% of our tenants paying with like a paper check. Oh. Now everything is electronic. So you have to like really grow and learn with like different trends and what works and what doesn't work. So someone who is, you know, a lifelong learner, I think that's important. Those are great answers because at least what I was thinking with the question is to not take stuff personally thing mm -hmm. where some people, how they handle something like that, it's they, they're screaming at you, they're, it's mm -hmm. your fault, this is the biggest problem in the world and you really have to just kind of let it roll off you and, yeah. and somehow at least for me that came a bit naturally where i'm not the person who screams back at somebody mm -hmm. you know so if so i never had that sort of problem and i i, I didn't take it personally because it's not like me and you went over there and broke the refrigerator mm -hmm. and now they're mad at us like it just things break right i'm telling you i will call the repair person so we're if they're still mad at that point, I, I did kind of feel like that's almost like not my problem. Right. That's something like on the tenant that they need to figure out. Yeah. Where if your uh, refrigerator, if your ice maker not working for the weekend is, you know, making you scream on the phone. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's really more like that on the tenant. It's not, I shouldn't worry about that where I'll get the ice maker fixed or ice makers are controversial or maybe not because they keep breaking. Right. And then, but, but I won't, I, from the get go, that was something I figured out. And like, I can't take this personally. You can't take it personally. We had a tenant recently who got pretty much from the beginning. It was like, we were set up to fail. Like it was an unrealistic expectation as yeah. to how we could help her. And she, she was out for a walk and there was a dog apparently from our building who wasn't on a leash and he jumped at her, lunged at her. But she, when she called us super upset, wanting to be let out of her lease, which as you know, like you just don't let people out of their leases. Yeah. So we investigated, okay, do you know if this person lived in your building? Do you know where, what apartment they're in? Can you, yeah. Do you know what the dog looked like? And it was like, no, no, I'm get, I need to be let out of my lease. I feel unsafe. Okay. Right. Let's, let's see how, how else can I articulate this to you? Do you, can you maybe when you see someone walking out of their apartment, can you figure out what unit they're going right. in? So like, we tried working with her and helping her solve the problem, but it was just like, we were just met with like, nope, 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 here's my attorney. And eventually right. it was like, we had to like have our attorney get involved, but it was absolutely nothing that we did wrong. We were our, we would kind of joke or like, oh, here we go again. Right. Yeah, here she round. is again. So, and it was just like, you really, ha you can't, again, you can't take it personally. Like she's, 
she's working an angle here. She wants out of her lease and she's going to do whatever she can to get out of her lease. We have our jokes on the side. Like you have to laugh that kind of stuff off. Like, cause you know, otherwise it would make you crazy if you were, you know, you're fighting with someone over something that absolutely was out of your control right. all day long that we had a let's I'll just do a crazy tenant story that yeah. we're at a building recently and their shower was leaking so we want we want to obviously fix it but the person he needed to take a shower for like an hour multiple times a day and like you can't and he would only use his shower and you can't just like to fix the shower what needed to be done you probably really need to take it like offline for a week. And it was something with the basis leaking. Mm-hmm. So you got to take the tile up, put a new base down, retile and go get out of there. And we, we, you can, we can have access to a dry shower the whole time he's there. I don't actually know what happened with it, but it was just like everyone tried talking to him. Like there's two or three showers in this unit. It's a, like a three or four bed unit and he wouldn't use any other showers. Just, just use that. So you run into some really, really funny stuff. And that's I just know. a recent example. I mean, we had another one where a resident was like, I think taking packages in the building mm-hmm. and the neighbors were saying this, it's not like someone's breaking into the building. I think it's like an inside job. Yeah. And then it's the one tenant with the most request of that building who just, the, everything's a problem where just, so you, you will run into these people. And then I guess what tip would we have on that? I mean, mine would be don't renew them. Just wait till the lease get to the them. end and then just, you know, either just give them a non-renewal and just tell them we've got a right ways here or give them some other reason. Like we want to update your unit or it depends how big the building is. If it's right. small, just tell them your friend needs to move in or something. And we are like, that would be my tip. Like it's not worth the aggravation. And then two, if you get into some sort of dispute now yep. with this person, I mean, now you're spending way more money than what it costs to re-rent that unit. And from a property manager standpoint, I would say like, be honest with your, your owner. So you, you want to explain to them, like if an, you know, if I were an owner and a, my property manager called me and said, oh, we have a tenant, she's kind of a pain in the butt. We want to non-renew her. You'd have to give me a really good reason why to, like yeah. reasons to why I would want to do that. And it's obviously, you have to explain to your client too, like, okay, this is, this is everything we've had to do. This is what it's cost you essentially right. as the owner. Right. And like, you really want to, you know, like transparency to like, that's, be transparent as to what's really going on. And it's not just you complaining about right. like a tenant you don't have, you don't have a good relationship with, like you give, be transparent with the client as well. That's important. Right. And do you have any tips so with tenant disputes then? So we're kind of touching on that, but didn't get anything specific. Like how would you, and there's so many different disputes you can have, but how, what, what comes to mind when I say that? I would say that number one is make sure you're addressing things when they bring it up to you. So don't ignore little requests. You want to make sure that you're either giving them a reason why you're not handling something or, you know, timely, like, may, and then obviously the timely repair, and if it's truly a repair, but it's, again, it always goes back to communication, get, like, respond, give answers why, yes or no, why you're not doing something, and, and, and you and stick to the, like, stick to, like, legally what you can and cannot do. So, obviously, you know, you have to, with, like, everything in, like, each each city, each state typically will have its own like tenant landlord ordinance. You really want to make sure that you understand as a landlord what you have to provide as far as essential services go, what you can and can't do. So you can't just walk into someone's apartment. You can't right. say, hey, I'm, I'm around the block. I'm coming in 30 minutes. Like You have to, if someone, you have to give 48 hour notice if people require that. 
Sometimes people will say, no problem, come by. But if they say no, right, make sure you're documenting, like document that like you gave them proper notice to enter. So I would say like stick to the books, like whether you can't like, you know, when you make repairs, like provide the essential services, reply. That's huge when you're in a dispute, like don't ignore it. If they're saying the same thing over and over again, you can say, you know, per my email, I sent you on May 3rd at 2.59 PM. Just make sure that you are responding. And then like eventually, like we've had it where like someone just doesn't understand, like the answer doesn't change. You can even say that to people if you're being like, say in a respectful way, like you can say like, I'm sorry, my answer is not going to change. I, I, there's nothing else I can do at this point. And sometimes all you just need is like, someone else to say it and they get it. So, so right. we, the way we kind of tier things. So like it's the assistant manager who might deal with the, the tenants. And then we go, the senior manager might say, I know you've been communicating with my coworker. Okay, this is the answer. It. And then if it needs to go higher, we go higher with like directors. But again, it's really the commute, like yeah. just communicate and document. And like, that's important too. Like if I were to put my legal hat on, I would say like, make sure you're documenting everything that you you can provide, you know, the history and the timeline and the trend, like transactions, like how things went down. And you touched on something really like that's that's great on the disputes. And you touched on something else with lease with leases and mm-hmm. different laws. It's important. You're going to manage your own building. You need to, whether it's through the, like the local apartment association or looking at, you know, talking to other owners or just or talking to a landlord tenant attorney, you really got to figure out what you need to have in your lease. I mean, in a place, let's say like Chicago, but most places are like this, you need to have so many different disclosures. It's it, it's so hard to figure that out. Mm-hmm. We, the first deals we bought, we managed ourselves and I was the one figuring it out. So many different, you need to have all these different disclosures and then you need to write on tenant notice and that changed over time here where now it's 48 hours and you mm-hmm. need to you need to know that stuff. You can't just write, say, hey, I'm popping in. Like you need right. to, and then you need to plan out things where if you're going to do showings and it's Monday and you want to show it, well, Wednesday night's the soonest you can show it basically at that right. point, right. you know, and that's if you send them an email right now. Yep. And then, and then security deposits, you got to figure out how the rules work on that. You know, in most, you know, you take a deposit, there'll be rules on if you have to pay interest, mm-hmm. where, where you can hold the money. If you have to hold separate accounts, right. What, what to document if you withhold anything from the deposit. Yep. And then you need to do all, you need to, if you're going to return, when you return the deposit, you need to do that within a certain amount of time. Like there's a lot of rules around the, the leasing, security deposits, disclosures that you need to figure out. And some places it's pretty easy and pretty, pretty lax and others it's really not like in Chicago, they've almost set it up now in a way where you, you, you can't take security deposits and you, and you, you need to almost work with an attorney to get your first lease set up where you mm-hmm. need so many different disclosures and you can use the association of realtors one, but they like update that every year or there's, you need to really be on it too. That's another thing. Like yes. everything's changing. That's a, that's a really good point. Cause these disclosures change on an annual basis. So it's important to make sure that you are changing your disclosures and on renewals even don't just send a a blanket renewal saying you've you know you're renewing at this new rate like send them an entire new lease package so they have all the fresh disclosures and a lot of times what you can do is you work with an attorney and then they put you on their mailers so like when when the new when this new when security deposit rates 
the interest rate changes, they'll email you in January. Here's the new rates. Here's the new forms. And they'll send you the, send those out to you. So, yes. and it's simple. A lot of like the larger tenant landlord attorneys, sometimes you can even sign up to get on their mailing list. Just think on their website or like right. you just form email list. And then it just, again, it's just like that relationship. And then they send those out to you. And then it's just up to you then to really make sure that you're documenting up and updating everything. And in some places with security deposits, you you need to keep the money in a separate account and you also can't like ever have commingled it. So when you buy the property in some places, you would need to tell the title company, I need a separate check or wire to a yes. different account. Yes. So you, you need to, and this'll, this'll maybe surprise you cause you're in Chicago. So when we're buying these deals in Phoenix, I asked the management company, like, what do we need to do with these deposits we're getting? Mm -hmm. I, we need to open up a second account. I need to send a second wire. What do you do? That's fine. Just nothing yeah. different. Just, it just goes in with the other account and your regular operating account. And I was like, what are the rules though around this? Like we need to hold it. We need to prove we need to, I need to tell you what bank I'm at. Cause that's also a requirement in Chicago. Like, right. And they're like, no, there's nothing. You just need to return it when the lease is over. That happened to us recently in Michigan. And it was, we got, everything was in one account. I was like, are you sure this yeah, lady knows what know. she's doing? <laughs> I know. This makes me really nervous. Right. Even yeah. taking a deposit here should make you nervous where most landlords have moved to just a, a move-in fee and yep. no deposit or admin fee, different names or sometimes both, I guess. But that's where you really got to figure that out. And then attorneys, apartment associations, yeah. realtor associations, like that's where they would have some of that. But it's that's that's the real value in using a management company. Right. They know how everything works. And I guess let's maybe let's close with that. Why? If So you heard all this. And I would actually advocate for people, if you're starting out, I think you should manage your property for a while. Learn. Where, because if let's say you buy a four unit and you just hire 33 right away, mm -hmm. you kind of don't really know what you're even hiring. You mm -hmm. don't realize what's all involved, mm -hmm. how to get the maintenance person that you just now send over there kind of easily because you've yep. gone through hundreds of them. You would have needed to have tried someone and then they're going to, you're going to give them some money to go to Home Depot and they're going to disappear or, you know, you buy, I mean, I've had all sorts of funny maintenance things happen where mm -hmm. someone stole a, uh, a screen door when he got angry he just took it like he that's where i will not get sidetracked with that but they were just you know you guys are able to kind of solve all these problems that almost in a way like as someone who just bought a property they don't even really realize what they're hiring right so i would recommend for i don't know if there's a set period of time but you know for at least a year or two i would say if you can if you live near and you have the time you should manage and lease it and right. do everything do your own accounting even then you really know what you're getting so then when you say what the price is right you start thinking like wow that includes all this talking to the tenant handling all the maintenance because it's more than just sending the person to the property right you had to figure out who was good and vet them and collect insurance and kind of w9 and all this mm -hmm. stuff that goes into it and then so that would be my my tip but then let's say okay i did that for a couple of years this is too much time for me and you know i want to buy more deals or i'm busy being a doctor now i've kind of ready to you know give up property management, then what, what are they getting when they hire a professional company? So I'll, I'll go back. I'm going to start with going back to, I would say most people I would agree with you should manage property on their oh, own. Oh, okay, so, okay. But yeah. there are definitely certain people who, you know, they're investing in real estate to invest and they have zero interest in doing the day-to-day. -day. And we've taken deals over from people or they've hired us after they've tried to do it themselves. 
not being bothered leasing things up. You know, they put themselves into a legal situation that really shouldn't have been there. So, like, if you're not willing to learn about how to manage your own property, don't do it. Because it's going, I mean, real estate, it's a huge financial investment. It's some of the largest investments people will ever make. So I would say, like, I, I agree with you. I think if you should understand how to do things. Keep in mind that you're everyone right, is right. like you and I. Yeah, so. right. Where they don't want to learn or they're going to say, I'm sure I can do it this way. It's fine. Right. And actually, no, you're breaking the security deposit law. You're yeah. using the wrong lease. You're renting it for $300 less than you could. Yeah. Or you're too busy being a doctor and yeah. you don't have the time to invest in it because it, it, it would be an investment in time. And like whether you're just doing it on like you work your nine to five and you're doing it on nights and weekends. Not everyone was you know, gonna spend like wants to do that. So right. really understanding that side of things too. But I would say if you're going the opposite, we're just going straight to a management company. Invest in the research of the management company. Ask for referrals. That's important because you're you know other people they're not you know people's clients will tell you the truth. Look at reviews. I think reviews are really important. Sometimes you again you have to like weed through reviews because sometimes it's just like. People will only right. post the negative things, but really like look for a combination of like realistic, like it's not just fluff. It's at, and like people requesting their friends to go on and give them a re- good review right. for their company that it's, you know, names. If you see names of people like good or bad, that's, that's a good, a like review. that's a real, typically a real review and like, you know, talk to them, find out what's important to them. Cause if they're, you know, it's important to get into a relationship, like management, it's a relationship management companies. So like, make sure that your interests are aligned, right. you know, like if your if your goal is to hold on to this long-term, your goals might be different than someone who wants to get in, you know, flip it in two years. Like just that changes a lot, even for, and it's important for your manager to know that right. like, I'm flipping this in two years. So I don't want you spending a ton of money on CapEx. Right. I'm going to get out or if this is my, you know, long-term hold for me. So they might have Those different, yeah, yeah. Maintain everything really yeah. so the transparency there is important. Nice. And I would, I would think just kind of as you're running through that, you know, in a way like hiring a management company between the time you're saving and what you're getting, it's, mm-hmm. it can pay for itself. You know, where one example would be oftentimes a management company, they can do maintenance for cheaper than you could, where if you're going to call the, a real, a full HVAC company, just off of, you know, let's say the yellow pages mm-hmm. that they're going to charge a lot where a management company should have a, a in-house tech if they're a certain size or someone that could do a lot of these things, not mm-hmm. everything. And then they're charging a way lower rate. I mean, oftentimes like half. Yes, so then that's important. And then when it comes to the lease rates, you know, if you are doing this part time, you know, all, every showing is times money It's taking up time from, you know, your family or whatever you really want to be doing or even just work. So then you don't push rents, but if you are hiring it out and you know, you're paying for the leasing, you it's easy to push rents from your keyboard. You know, and say, hey, why don't we try for that hundred bucks more this year? Yep. I'm not the one showing it. This is kind of what I'm paying for. Let's see if we can do it. And then if they get it, well, now you made twelve hundred bucks more on that unit, and you're sort of paying for the you're paying for the leasing, you're paying for the management, plus obviously all the time savings that you're of course obtaining as an owner. So that would be that's how I've thought of it. Where you know I wanted from relatively early on focus on acquiring more properties, running the investments, and not. Mm you know, dealing with the guy stealing the door or whatever maintenance thing. Yeah. Right. Or, and, you know, I do things like all the way. So like when it's time to get a painter, like, great, let's, I'll call 20 painters and I'll meet as many of them I can in one day, just back to back to back to back. So like, that's how I do it. So then it takes a lot of time for me to manage a property. Right. Cause then, you know, to get a painter and, you know, it's like a three day ordeal, but well, I think to myself, but then I got 
I'll have some good painters out of that. Where a lot of people they'll call one and they'll use them and then they'll not good or the price is real high, but right. We yeah. need to call more people in. There's definitely a, I would definitely say on the, on the cost side, it's definitely, you get better rates, you know, like you can have an in-house HVAC technician at $85 an hour, $125 an hour to where if you were calling another company out of, you know, the yeah, yellow know. pages off of Google, oh. you're up to like $250 an hour in some situations. Right. And then it's the, the headache, you know, you don't have the headache of, you know, having to you know, worry about the legal, the changes that are going on with tenant landlord ordinances or, you know, the calls when they do happen yeah. in the middle of the night, you don't have to worry about that. And then you have someone who's just, you know, maintaining things and managing things for you and looking out for your investment. And then, you know, if you're looking at your NOI, if that's important, like what you're taking home at the end of the year, you know, you have somebody who's constantly focusing on and driving in and helps even like just with taxes, you don't have to, like, you have financial reports from your management right. company that it makes your yeah. life easier, you know, when that, when, with all of that and things like that. Right. So. End of the year, your accounting's already done. Where when I was managing my own stuff, it's then, you know, oh, the year's done. Better do, better do the accounting. Right. You know, and I know that's, it's funny. I said yellow pages, but I was thinking of what website. And I'm like, oh, Google, yellow pages. Yellow let's pages. just say that. Yeah. Because I was, when you're saying with the checks, I was thinking I had a, if we were shooting this like 10 years ago, my, Tip would be, all right, when you get all the checks, you want to line them up all in a line, reverse, because you got to sign them all now. Or yeah. this before I realized I could stamp them too, I guess. Right. But uh, you want to line them all up on top of each other, just have the signature line showing, and then you can just sign it without barely moving your hand. I that mean, would have been my hot tip 10 years ago. Like, right. this is, you're getting sent, you know, 100 checks. Like, all right, this is how you sign them all quickly. <laughs> I mean, we, we pro I think we have like 97% of our tenants who pay online where, I mean, and that's because we have some properties that are out in that, like, you know, right. it could be like an out, like wherever it is, they just don't use a lot of like, they don't either trust, yeah, trust yeah. it or, you know. It's a price point. Not yeah. everyone has, you know. But um, back when we first started, it was, it was a lot of checks, yeah. a lot of checks. I will never forget the first time I'm like, Drew, I need you to give me a signature stamp. Yeah. He was like, I, like, he almost didn't trust me. Like, <laughs> do you know how many checks you signed yeah. in a day? Like, this would be so much easier if yeah. I could just streamline this process for you. Yeah. That's funny. Oh. I never got a stamp. And then once I switched to Chase, they were less like, oh, we could just stamp these. I was like, geez, I've been doing this to, to different banks. I yeah. have my name for and we're time, and to, For the small time investor, we're thinking if you're managing things yourself too, like if you can set up even like Zelle or yeah. Venmo, like every, I would say pretty much everyone nowadays, if you know, they can either sign up for something like that if they don't have it. But that makes your life easier too. Like you don't have to worry if where people are waiting for the snail mail to come in with your checks. Yeah. Even if you only own a three flat, you can sign like you can get a login through your bank and have someone electronically pay you. That just makes your right. life a little bit easier too. So and any most renters, just given the age, they're not. If you guys make a push, I'm sure to pay online. But if you didn't, most like still would be ninety some percent would want to pay online. No, there's not a lot of you know, young renters that are prefer to mail a check, no. check now. They don't want to talk to you on the yeah. phone and they don't want to write a check. They don't yeah. even know how to write a check. Yeah. Level, so. I know. Or how to, that, I know the texting thing I was thinking when you're like, they, that's, that's for sure where it's interesting now. I'm sure they just all want to communicate, text, yeah. email, like this phone calls, this thing of the past and nobody answers their phone anymore. No one does. So. All right, great. I think that covers everything. So let's great. wrap it up there. Great job. What, Thank you. if someone wants to get in touch with you for property management or for whatever, how would they do that? You can email me. It's mary at 33management.com. And then you can look us up on our website, 33realty.com. And then our general phone numbers are listed either on our website, Google. 
Perfect. Well, thanks for being on. This is a great thanks episode. Thanks for having me. This was fun. No, I'm sure I learned a lot. I'm sure others would too. So Good. until next time, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the Rise and Invest podcast. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you'd like to dive even deeper into real estate investing, check out our company's website, riseinvest.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook, our trends report, and our blog are all available on our website. If you are an accredited investor, you can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. And the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.